Urban Millie, a podcast about pop culture and hot goss-ip gossip through the lens of your nosy neighbor. I'm your host and nosiest of neighbors, Millie Brooks, and thanks for joining me today, cutie bums. Our topic is Tales from the Trauma Unit with Nurse Kristen. Um, I'm also going to start the episode with a trigger warning. Um, If you don't like ER or Grey's Anatomy, or you just have an aversion to conversations about blood and guts, then you might want to skip this episode. So, if you have some spare time this week, please go to iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud and write a review for me, myself, and Millie. This podcast is offered free of charge on all of those platforms. I don't ask for donations, and I don't have any sponsors. It is completely self-produced. And when people write reviews and rate the show, it improves the algorithms, making it more popular and more likely to reach a larger audience. Every little review goes a long way, and it's also just really nice to know that people are enjoying this show and gives me a little boost in confidence to continue to create it and grow it. Another helpful way you can support the show is talking about it on social media. Specifically, if you're on Instagram and you're talking about me, myself, and Millie, and you tag the show, like, for example, if you're listening to the show and you make a video of you listening to it or take a photo, I love reposting those shout-outs on my Instagram stories. And it just makes me feel so good and like all this work is not being overlooked. And it also really helps get the word out about the show. Every little bit helps, and I deeply appreciate your continued support. Today, on the show, we have Nurse Kristen, who works at a local trauma center in the Bay Area. Welcome, Kristen! Thank you. Glad to have you on the show. Um, Kristen, so you're my neighbor. Yes. And I ask everybody this question that comes on the show. Do you have any good neighborhood gossip for me today? I have all kinds. Okay, well, give us the juiciest. Wow. I mean, I don't know how deep I can go with this because I've lived here for 12 years. There's a lot of, there's a lot of weirdness that goes on here. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about the guy who left the dog poop on your, on your, uh... Yes. So I have the ring, which records Yeah. anybody that comes up, like, to the front part of my lawn. And he consistently would bring his dog over, walk, let the dog poop on my lawn, and walk off. Well, I would see it on my ring, and I totally caught him. How did you catch him? Well, I confronted him about it and was like, hey, I don't mind if you use, you know, the lawn to, like, let your dog run around, but can you please pick up the dog poop? And he was adamant that he always picks up the dog poop, which is not true because I saw it on the ring. Yeah, you had a record of it. Correct. So, see it again, decide to pick up the poop with a paper towel and put it on his doorstep. (laughs) 
And he looked at me like I was disgusting. I was like, wait, he saw you put it on his mm -hmm. doorstep? Because he was coming out the door and I said, hi. And he was like, he just looked at me like, kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I have the ring. So I actually see what goes on in my yard. <laughs> and I'm just giving your gift back. Giving you a gift back. Yeah. Yeah. Kind neighbor you are. Yeah. Yeah. I really don't mind if dogs are on the lawn. Just pick up the shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the least. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a dog owner, and, you know, we take Cleo to the little soccer field across mm -hmm. the park. And um, if I see dog poop in that soccer field, which is really just meant for kids, mm -hmm. you know, it's not really a dog park. But if I see dog doo-doo in the soccer field, I'll pick it up. That's good. Because it's given us a bad rap. Well, because, I mean, some kid's going to slide tackle somebody and end up with shit up all down his leg. Yeah, yeah. And then, what do you know, they start, like, closing the gate 24-7, mm -hmm. and you can't use it anymore. Yep. So, that's how I give back to the community. That's good. Thank you. Um, okay, Kristen, tell us how you got into medicine and how you landed at the hospital that you currently work at. So, you know... In all honesty, I never wanted to be a nurse. It was not my thing. My mom was a nurse, and I had so many people tell me, oh, you'd be a great nurse. And I was like, I'm not going to be a nurse because my mom's a nurse. I actually was going into social work. And then I realized my senior year that I was like, oh, my God, I can't do this because I'd get so burnt out. Because basically in social work, like, you can only help people if they want to be helped. Right. And so I realized, like, actually, you know what, I think maybe I do want to be a nurse. Mm. And so I remember telling my mom, she was like, oh, totally, that's fine. And was like, at least you'll be able to pay your bills. Yeah, that's <laughs> but true. That Consistent. being said, yeah, that being said, I actually really like being a nurse. Like, it's not just for the money, as people sometimes think. Um, is the money that great? In the Bay Area, it's pretty decent. But the yeah. cost of living here is ridiculous, too, let's be honest. Right. But, like... Here, I mean, you make twice as much as you would in Oregon, say. Yeah. You know, and the ratio, we have unions. And so our ratio, uh, patient to nurse, is much better than across the country mm. because of our unions. That's pretty good. Yeah. Which, go, go unions. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people are like anti-union this. Oh, the union did that. Well, but I'm it's like, complicated, right? It's very complicated. But at the same time, like if you're a patient, wouldn't you want your nurse to have a certain number of patients they can have? Yeah. Like I think sometimes people forget that. It's like, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you're sick, you're in the hospital, you could be dying and your nurse has how many patients? Five? Yeah. So you could be possibly like dying and they can't get to you right away because they're stuck in another room. I was going to say 10. Well, there's some places that it's like higher like that, but then they have like an LVN. But even at that, it's just like, it's too much. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah. Um, can you paint a little bit of a picture on what kind of hospital you work at? Yeah. So it's, um, it's a level one trauma center. And basically we take care of anybody and everybody from you never turn away anybody you never turn away somebody the only times you'd turn somebody away and it's not turning away it would be like if somebody had only burns then you would go to a specific burn unit but if you have trauma and burn you would still come to our hospital but we don't turn away anybody because of like money status 
legal status, anything. We take literally take care of the most rich people to people that have nothing. Mm. Because it's a trauma center, if you're in an accident, you go there. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like I, it. I feel like those that kind of, I don't know, value system or protocol doesn't happen a lot in the Bay Area. No, like there's no. like you got to be able to pay this amount of money. You got to have this insurance. You got to, you know, you got to check all these boxes off. But you don't turn anybody away. No, no, that's good. You know, like I, I will tell you, there's been times where like I was taking care of an older woman who looked very affluent. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. It was so pissed that she was there because she was like, "This isn't my hospital. This isn't where I go, and it's not appropriate for me to be here." And I was like, why would you, why are you saying that? And she was like, well, I mean, like, I'm not like them over there. And you could tell, like, the person, like, was having a hard time, like, was homeless, like, was not in the best of shape. The person that she was Yeah, you could tell that they were, like, weathered, you know? And I said, well, actually, no, it's very appropriate that you're here because you've had a head injury. And, like, you wouldn't want to go to your hospital because they don't specialize in that. Yeah. And she ended up getting really sick. And it was a really sad situation. But her family was like, we don't want her transferred because the hospital was so good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which people don't realize. Right. What department do you work in and why? So I actually work in the post-anesthesia care unit now. I did prior to that. So I've been there about a year and a half. Prior to that, I uh, worked about nine years in the intensive care unit. And before that, I worked in general med surge for two years. Mm. Um, The reason why I work in the post-anesthesia care unit now is, like, there's, like, a time frame of working in intensive care that, like, you kind of get capped out because it's very emotional, emotionally draining, physically demanding, and, like, just super stressful. Yeah. Super stressful. The stakes are high. Yeah. And, like, now I work in a department where, like, you still have to pull on your critical care skills and knowledge because people are coming out of surgeries. They're sedated. They've had anesthetics. They're in bad conditions as well, like, physically. A lot of, like, chronic problems, so you need to know what to do. Yeah. But it's less stressful in the sense that there's a quicker turnover, People are technically are coming through these procedures because even though they may generally be sick people, they're expected to make it out of the procedure. Right. You know, otherwise they wouldn't be doing it. Right. That makes sense. The outlook is good. Yeah, it's much it's a much um, it's a much more uplifting unit, I would say. Like when Mm -hmm. you work in the ICU, there's just a lot of um, sadness. You see a lot of sadness. Yeah. Yeah. It's like people's worst. It's literally their worst. Their worst moment nightmare. in their life, you yeah. know what I mean? Either because they've been injured in some way or it's their loved one. Mm-hmm. So you've told me some pretty outrageous stories about patients harassing you on the job. Oh, like, I don't, I mean, I don't know if people realize this, but as a nurse, you get harassed um, possibly daily, like wow. in some in some way. You know, like, it may be minute, like, you know, commenting on how you look. Ugh. You know? Yeah. Whether it's good or bad. Right. Or... I loved your response to that one guy. You told me a, re- you told me a story one time about how, like, um, 
the uh, patient was kind of hitting on you, and you were like, uh, you don't talk dirty enough for me. Oh, 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 tell, oh. Tell that story. The patient was like, uh, let's be honest, everybody, in life, and no matter what field you are, there's really nice people to work with. And then there's just really, like, nasty, mean people that it's like, you don't need to treat anybody like that. He was, like, kind of, like, just an awful person to work with. And I walked in the room, and he automatically started, like, cussing me out. And it was like, I'm, like, going in the room, hi, my name's Nurse Kristen. You know, like, the mm-hmm. whole, like, standard, like, I'm going to be really polite and introduce myself and put my name on the board. And, like, was just cussing me out. And basically every you know, nasty word you could say to a woman. And I just turned around and was like, I didn't, how do you know I like to be talked to dirty like that? <laughs> and it's like, it's like sarcasm. And it, 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 you know? caught, it caught him off guard. Totally though. caught him off guard and was like, oh, you're going to be cool. And I was like, oh, so I got to talk this way for me to be cool to you? Yeah. You know? I got to dish it out. I got to dish it back to yeah, you. Yeah, but like what people don't understand is like in the hospital as a nurse, people think they can say anything to you. Mm. And you're still required to take care of them. That happens at a restaurant, you're kicked out. Right. That happens to a police officer, you get arrested. Right. I things that people have said and done to me, they would be arrested for. Could is there something that comes to mind automatically? Oh, I've been swung at. I've had people <gasps> hit me. No. I've had people tell me that they're gonna kill me. No. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've had people make comments about my body. <gasps> yeah. Jesus. I've had people tell me, like, what they would, like, sexually do to me. Like, all kinds of crazy stuff that you would be just be like, what? So, and then, so and then you're, in you're, any other context, completely unacceptable. Completely. I mean, could you imagine you go into the grocery store and the checker, you know, checking your groceries, and the person buying the groceries looks at them and goes, I'd like to stick your juicy ass right here. Oh, my God. Pointing at his groin. Yeah. Would you, like, I think that you'd probably get kicked out and ask never to return. Yeah. Zero tolerance. Zero tolerance. Okay, that's uh, that's good. That's good. So, uh, you know, long story short, guys, be nice to your nurses, please. <laughs> um, okay. What are your thoughts on the opioid crisis? Specifically in the Bay Area. You know, I, I mean, nationally speaking, the opioid crisis is in in a really terrible p- place right now. Yeah. And a lot of people want to blame a lot of different entities. And what what's what's your thoughts on you it? You know, it's what are your um, thoughts? It's actually it's kind of a sensitive issue in in the healthcare field because uh, and none of my information right now is based off, you know clinical studies, factual, like, statistics or anything that's like, oh, such and such said this and this is it. This is from my own experience and just interacting 13 years as a nurse, Mm -hmm. okay, is you have situations where people have been so injured and so broken that that's how they turn into an addict because it's like they survive something that I don't think that they were necessarily meant to survive, Mm. you know? And so in order to survive that, there's a certain level of like all these medications like into their system and it's just like an overload. And I will say this, I don't think that there's enough support when people come out of major traumas 
that's like, hey, we need to help bridge you to get off these meds. Because Re- then it turns rehabilitation into yeah, stuff. it turns into an addiction. And it's like people don't want to talk about the addiction. They want to hide it because, you know, it's never um, looked at as a positive thing, you know, like, oh, hey, Joe was in a major accident, just so you know, he's a pill popper now. Like, nobody's yeah. like, people would rather talk about it like that as compared to being like, he has a serious problem. Right. That being said, I think another problem is, though, is that there's there are some people that have abused it and continue to abuse the system, and then it turns on to, like, a healthcare look at it when, you know, you could have somebody that comes in for a procedure and they want to know why they are only getting Tylenol and ibuprofen. Mm. And haven't you yelled at them before? And you've just been like, stop. Well, you know, you kind of have to be like, there's a certain level of politeness. And then there's like only so much that you can take at some point. Because I've had people literally like completely lose it. Totally lose it. And it's not even in... Um, I don't know. It's like in an aspect that you're looking at of... I don't, I don't know if you're in pain, but I'm not allowed to judge you. And so healthcare field has kind of turned into, well, we need to medicate the person because they said that they're in pain. Right. But then it's like this procedure that they've had, it doesn't correlate to what they want, you know? Mm. So, I mean, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm on it's a It's hard to wheel. judge. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to it's know. Hard, it's hard to judge. It's hard to know. And I will say this. I feel like it's really easy. It's really easy for people to get hooked on it because, mm. one, you have it. Two, there's so many things that are going on in people's lives that they don't even realize or even are aware of that's making them maybe take that pain med now, not mm. because of pain, but because they've got used to kind of just being them. Mm. And so... I always like to tell people that because, you know what, I don't think that people really understand how easy it is to become addicted. Mm. You know? Like, throughout whatever tragedy or trauma that they've had, the barometer, the pain scale has changed. Yes, it's exactly. It's shifted. Yes. And their tolerance has shifted. Correct. So if, if you have um, a chronic use of opioids... Say you were to get in an accident. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes that's when it's picked up because we're like, why are you still awake? And I've just given you a dosing that would probably knock you out. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, I will tell you this. I think it's probably the only place where. Well, why are they awake? Because their tolerance is so high. Ah. So like, say you have somebody that's never taken a narcotic. Mm. And, you know, sometimes people want to say, oh, well, they're a big person and they should get a bigger dose. It's not always correlated that way. Right. Like, you kind of have to test it. Like, yes, that's true to a certain extent. Like, if you had a 350-pound man, you probably are going to have to, like, medicate him a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But if he's totally narcotic naive, which means that he's never had narcotics, it's going to be easier to sedate him than somebody that may be 150 pounds but either uses heroin or, like... Pops right. oxys left and right. Right. That's a clear sign. It's, it's a big sign, yeah. yeah. So San Francisco has a growing homeless problem due to many reasons, but the main one being affordable housing. Mm-hmm. And how does this homeless problem affect your job and the hospital that you work at? Uh, you know, 
like the affordable housing is like a major, major issue. I think what in regards to like the homeless population though is I th and once again I'm not factual so if anybody wants to be like well no that's not what the it comes out in the city right. news or whatever I mean we're like, not we're not stating facts here yeah, guys you know we're this is just experience majority you know? of homeless people that I come across at work aren't even from here mm. they're not they come to San Francisco because of the resources. Of the resources. Mm -hmm. And they're literally told, hey, if you go to San Francisco, these are the resources you get. What Can you give us an uh, example of some, like, where did they come from? Uh, I've had people from Florida, mm. New York, Oregon, Washington, Wisconsin, Colorado, Texas. Wow. All over. Right. Right. You know? And then, you know, the, the hard part, too, is that the, they, so... You have that, right, where it's like, okay, well, now this is getting crazy. Like, all these people are homeless. They're coming. And another aspect of it is there's a lot of mental illness. Right. A lot of clinics have been shut down um, that deal with with mental health, which is a whole nother. I mean, this could go on. We could have well, a conversation about Reagan this. Well, because Reagan shut them all down in the 80s. Yeah. And, you right? know, it's like the, you, have, you have a fine You have line. no place to put them. Correct. You know? Yeah, they, they they are people of society that cannot. They're unproductive, and it's not that they're like. And and the definition of unproductive is like you can't do your basic needs. Correct. You know you can't take yourself take care of yourself and make sure that others are also okay. You know right? Exactly. Is that our definition? Yeah. And 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 that and and to that ex extent, people are left to either go to the hospital or go to jail if you are mentally mm -hmm. unwell. And there's is, a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of crimes that are being committed by people because then they go in and it's like they have a place to stay. They get meals. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they just want a sandwich. Yeah. I mean, turkey sandwiches are super popular where I work. Really? Yeah. Huh. Have you ever had one? Yeah. And... They like make you feel really bloated, but if you don't have food, you're like whatever. Right. You'll eat whatever. Right. Um, give us a glimpse into a typical shift, and what that might look like for you. Um, well, the unit that I'm in is uh, there's a lot of different procedures. You'll have people that have come in to get like scoped either from the top, like through their throat, or from their bottom. You know, a lot of um, GI stuff gastrointestinal things you know people come in because they're getting like trigger finger releases like you know a finger gets caught in a certain position it's released you've got people coming in that have been a like a trigger hit by... finger yeah uh, what the hell is that it's like when your your um your finger basically it, it like catches sometimes because of an injury and sometimes it just uh, happens to people okay and then we do a lot of like eye procedures mm. that we recover people from and then we also, like, take care of a lot of people that have gotten hit, mm. you know, have a fracture. Or they're on those, like, scooters oh, doing crazy things scooters. and, like, getting hit or falling off. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that brings me to my next question. Do you have anything you want to say to people who don't wear a helmet while riding a bike? Grow up. <laughs> grow the fuck up. Seriously. Yeah. Ta t tell us about your experience with that. Like, I've taken care of so many people that have been hit on a bike. And, like, either, one, they're not okay. 
Like, yes, like, your body can take a lot of trauma and survive, but, like, do you really want your brain to take the brunt of a hit or fall? Right. That's what's telling you to how to, how to move the rest of your body. Yeah. You know, and yeah. when people can tell you, hey, you're more likely to survive an accident, you're more likely not to have a head injury if you wear a helmet, like... Would you get on a motorcycle and not wear a helmet? Because you are at times going maybe 20 miles per hour if you're getting going. Right. You have no protection around you. And you're on the streets with cars. Do you know in Michigan, the state of Michigan, it's not um, a law to wear a helmet on the motorcycle? That's crazy. I know. It's well, absolutely crazy the, because the, there's this whole like it's my choice. It's you know the freedom of riding and everything. And my mom, who was you know worked in triage in Detroit for 25 years, this is why I have a soft spot in my heart for nurses. She was like, "You're fucking crazy." Well, you know, Millie, maybe it's natural selection. Like Darwin. <laughs> like if you're gonna be on your motorcycle, not wear a helmet, you get hit. You know, and sensitivity because it's like, you know, awful things have happened to people's families and they've been like torn apart. But if you're on a motorcycle and you're not aware of how, I can say this in the Bay Area, how horrible drivers are. I mean, horrible. People are taking U-turns where you're not supposed to. People, People are not following the basic rules of the road. So then you get on a motorcycle and it's basically like every time you get on there. You're praying that you're not going to get killed. Right. You know? Right. Or it's just like, I mean, even those cone helmets. No, no. They don't even cover the full, the full cranial spectrum. No, it's just a cute thing because they're following the law. Jesus. Anything about seatbelts? Wear them. Duh. Duh. What's this argument that people are like, oh, seatbelts will actually hurt you in a crash? Hurt you? Die? I don't know. Have you seen somebody that's been ejected out of a car? Yeah. You know? And then, you know, you'll always have people go, well, if I was wearing my seatbelt, this would have happened or that would have happened. And, you know, I was actually ejected and I was okay. Well, you know what? Maybe it wasn't your time to go then. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I have a hard time when people justify Reasons for not doing things that have been known to save your life. Right. Known to save your life. Well, they're here to talk about it. So obviously it did something. Yeah. Okay. Anything that I didn't ask you that you feel is important to mention? Um... I mean, you talked a little bit about driving in the Bay Area, which I think is out of control. It's out of control. It's out of control. People are doing U-turns wherever the fuck they want. They're doing U-turns in the middle of intersections. Yeah. You know? It's dangerous. I mean, any any sort of warnings. Public service announcement. Yeah. Waiting to cross the road. Stand back off the curb. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I've seen people standing in the street in the crosswalk. And yeah. I'm like, oh, why are you So like your stand chances? on the on the sidewalk. Yeah. And wait. Yeah. Like wait. Yeah. For it to say for you to go. Yeah. Because it's really not worth it. Like 
you may think that you're a badass because you're jaywalking, you're trying to get wherever you're going, but like you have that one distracted driver that's texting because guess what? You're probably distracted too because you're texting as you cross the street. Right. Which is a whole nother stupid thing. Like right. really? Right. You're going to trust all these people? Right. Don't text and drive. I mean, when I grew up, my parents were like, you kind of make eye, con con I, excuse me, eye contact with that person yeah. that's stopping to make sure yeah. they're stopping. Make sure they know everybody's yeah. on the same page. Yeah. Don't dilly-dally in the street. I would never cross the street looking at my phone. You'd be surprised. There's some really intelligent people that I've seen. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Kristen. This concludes our interview. We wish you all the best on your journey, and I hope the holidays are quiet and calm for you at the hospital. Thank you. I hope so, too. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Me, Myself, and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at Me, Myself, Millie for more podcast updates. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and share on social media. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks, for technical support and Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. Thanks, cutie bums, and see you next week. Bye.